May God speak to you through today's message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. Good morning. My name is Mike McGowan. I'm the pastor here at Parkway Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to week two of our message series, Working It Out. And uh, I want to remind you, as I did last week, that your work is something that you do, whether you get paid to do it or not. You know, I mean, if you're a stay-at-home mom, your work is rearing your children. If you're a, a, a retired person, or maybe you're a grandparent, then your work is investing in your grandkids, or it's volunteering up here at church or at some other organization. Bottom line, your work is whatever you do, whether you get paid to do it or not, right? All right. Um, last week, I told you about you know, my days as a bag boy at Albertson's Grocery Store. Um, well, anyway, as far as I knew, I was the only Christ follower that worked in that entire place. And so I made a decision that I was going to seize every opportunity I could to try to, you know, tell people about Christ while I was there. Which, by the way, is pretty difficult to do as a bag boy because your time with people is, like, really limited. I mean, just like, what do you say? You know, paper or plastic? Heaven or hell? You know what I mean? Well, how do you, get, how do you even get into these conversations? <clears throat> well, anyway, over time I eventually became friends with uh, this one checker. His name was Alex. He was a really cool guy. He and I had the same kind of sense of humor. And so, you know, I really tried to bag at his lane as often as I possibly could. Well, one day Alex came in and he was visibly upset. Well, we went on break and I was like, hey, dude, what is wrong? And he told me that his girlfriend had broken things off with him the night before. Now, Alex was 26. They had been dating for more than a year. They were talking about marriage. I mean, so like, this is a big deal. This isn't just like a homecoming crush here. So he was devastated. I mean, he didn't know what to do. He didn't know where to turn. I mean, this guy was a wreck. I mean, he was, he was just a total wreck. So, you know, we talked after work that day and several more times that week, and eventually he said to me, he said, Mike, is there anything else in life other than making money and falling in and out of love? I mean, what is the purpose behind any of this? Why do we exist? What is the point of life? And it was at that point, I knew I had him. I knew I had him because he was searching. Now, I wasn't sure what I was going to say, but I knew I had him. And so, you know, we talked several more times. And actually, in the parking lot at night, we were talking after work. And I, I basically just said to him, I said, Alex, I might not know the answer to all of your questions, but there is one thing that I do know. You will never find the meaning of life apart from God and his son, Jesus Christ. And if you would ask Jesus Christ to come into your life to forgive you for everything that you've ever done and pledge to follow him, then you would find more meaning and purpose in life than you ever thought possible. And he just stared at me. So I said, would you like to become a Christ follower right here, right now? I mean, I'll be, well, I will pray with you, and you can ask Jesus Christ to come into your life to change you forever. Would you be ready to do that? 
And he just stared at me. And after a few minutes, he said, man, I, I, just, I just don't think I'm ready. I, you know, I mean, that's a, that's a lot to think about. And so we continued to have these conversations over the next couple of weeks, but then he quit Albertsons and moved back to Austin to be closer to his family. I'll be honest with you, I don't know if he's ever become a Christ follower. In fact, in getting ready for this message, like I've prayed for him multiple times this week that he would have made that decision to become a Christ follower or that he will make that decision to become a Christ follower wherever he is out in the world. I don't know. But I tell you that story um, because I want you to know that I'm not accountable for, to God for the decision that Alex made. I'm just accountable to tell him so that he can make that decision. You know, because sometimes people choose to become Christ followers and sometimes they don't. But the bottom line is that for me, the lesson was the importance of being a good, strong Christian influence at my workplace. You know, the same is true for all of us in this room. We're not accountable to convert everyone in our office. We're accountable to God for our behavior so that we can seize the opportunities to tell other people about Christ. Because look, if Christ's followers give up influence in the workplace, then we're essentially handing the workplace over to the enemy. Think about how much worse things would be if that happened. I mean, with nothing to keep the darkness at bay, with no one to make a stand, with no one to speak up when something is ethical or unethical, think about how much darker workplaces would become. Think about how much more cutthroat that it would be. But honestly, most crossroads, I think, they want to become good Christian influences at their workplace. You know, most stay-at-home moms want to become a good Christ-following influence on their kids. I mean, for heaven's sake, that's why most of them have chosen to stay home. You know, I, and while most of us want to be that kind of influence, the truth is most people aren't confident how. But our Heavenly Father desires to use each one of us at our workplace, whatever that work is, in amazing ways. So how does that happen? So go ahead and pull out your message notes. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about how to become a Christian influence at work. How do you do that? Well, number one is this. I win respect by working hard and being honest. I got to win respect by working hard and being honest. Working hard and being honest. Do you know what people don't respect? They don't respect lazy. They don't respect someone who consistently fails to meet deadlines. They don't respect someone who is unwilling to volunteer to be a part of a work group or volunteer on a project. They don't respect someone, you know, who just slaps their work together at the last minute or does things in a sloppy manner. They don't respect someone who would shoot down ideas because it inherently means more work even though it would make the company or the product better. You know, bottom line, people don't respect lazy. Which is why God has given us the following directive. Look what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10. He says, 
Whatever your hand finds to do, okay, and what he's talking about there, he's like, this is your work. He's saying basically, whatever your work is, whatever it is that your hands find to do, to do work, whatever that is, he says this, he says, do it with all your might. Circle that. Do it with all your might. For in the grave where you're going, there's neither working nor planning nor knowledge nor wisdom. Essentially what God is saying here, he's saying that whatever your work is, do it with all your might. Because one day, this kind of work that we do here on earth is going to stop. Now, there will be work that we're going to do in heaven. And I'm actually going to talk about that next week. And it's going to be amazing. But while we're here on earth, the kind of work we do here on earth... It's going to eventually stop, because this kind of work won't exist in heaven. So while we're here, while you're here, work hard. Work with all your might, because people respect you when you work hard. Now, let me give a word of caution here. I'm not talking about becoming a workaholic, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. Some people think that you... You earn respect by, you know, working long hours at the office or, you know, spending 30 hours on Pinterest learning how to weave sheets out of used cotton balls or, you know, whatever, you know. Look, I mean, at first people do respect people that, you know, work long hours or, you know, spend a lot of time doing something. But honestly, that kind of respect doesn't last. And yes, there are times when you have to work hard. I mean, I get that. But if you can work long. But here's the deal. If you consistently work long hours, longer than you should, then you are neglecting the work of rearing your children. You are neglecting the work of loving your spouse. And that is work that God has also given you to do. So don't, don't, don't do this. Don't sacrifice the work that earns love for the work that earns money. That is a poor trade. And nobody in the long run really respects that. So instead, when you're at work, work hard. Work with all your might. Because that's the kind of work that wins respect. Now look at this next verse. Because this next verse really takes it to a whole nother level. He says, in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, he says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Now, the context here is that Paul, he's been talking about, you know, eating food sacrificed to idols. And then, when it gets to this long treatise of talking about this, he just, he just tacks on this, this terribly convicting sentence. He says, you know, Oh, and, you know, by the way, whatever you do, you know, whatever else in the world there is for you to do, whatever that is, do that to the glory of God. And that means your work. It includes your work. So we're to work in such a way that brings glory to God. Let me ask you this. Does it bring glory to God to come in late and leave early? Look, if, I mean, if you're late to work for, you know, whatever reason, you know, doctor's appointment or you get, you know, stuck in traffic, then stay later to make up for that because you want to give 
an honest day's work for an honest day's wage. Otherwise, you are stealing from your employer. And stealing does not glorify God. You know, and while we're, you know, talking about being honest, what about stealing other things from the workplace? I'm not talking about like big items like a laptop, you know? Let's talk about little stuff. I mean, what about something like a, like a, like a stapler? I mean, like, you're, let's say your stapler at home breaks, and there's four sitting in the supply closet at your office just collecting dust. I mean, what's wrong with taking one? Well, I'll tell you what's wrong. It's stealing. It's not being honest. And stealing does not glorify God. And if that same standard applies to something like a laptop, something like a stapler, I mean, what about something like really, really small? What about something, what about something like a paper clip? I mean, you could buy a box of 100 jumbo paper clips for about seven bucks. That means each one of those suckers is about seven cents. Hey, school starts tomorrow. You know your kids are going to have a bunch of stuff. They've got a paper clip together. Why not just, you know, take a lot of those, put it in your pocket, and use them this week? Well, I'll tell you why. Because it's stealing. No matter how small it is, whether it's a $2,000 laptop, a $10 stapler, or a $7 paper clip, it is still stealing, and stealing does not glorify God. Okay. So let's just say your problem is not that you're a klepto with office supplies, okay? (laughs) What about stealing other things? What about stealing time? What about stealing time from your employer? What about stealing time from your employer while you're at work by checking your personal email? What about taking work time to post on Facebook? Or to tweet what you're doing or where you're at. Or getting in a few rounds of Candy Crush. (laughs) You know, you are stealing in those moments from your employer when you should be working. Now, you might be thinking, okay, Pastor Mike, seriously, get off of your high horse about paper clips and Candy Crush. I mean, seriously, what in the world is the big deal? I mean, I don't think it's a big deal for any of that kind of stuff. Really? Not a big deal? Look, if you want to become a Christian influence at your workplace, whatever your work is, then you have to win respect by working hard and by being honest. Down to the time you spend, I mean, even down to the paperclip. Why? Because when you have a reputation for working hard and being honest, that is when you win respect from other people, and it's in that moment, that is when you become incredibly usable by God. Because it is in those moments that you become the kind of person that someone would come up to you and say, you know what, you seem to be the kind of person that has it all together, so what do you think I should do about da-da-da-da-da? Or it might even evolve into... What is the meaning of all of this? What is the point to life? And then you got them. And then you got them. Because when you become that kind of person that wins that kind of respect, 
then you become a very sharp instrument that God can use, and it opens the door for you to talk to them about God and about his son, Jesus Christ. Because look, your actions open the door for your words. Your actions open the door for your words. Because when you work hard and you're honest, it gives you credibility. Otherwise, people will openly discount anything you have to say because you are not a respectable person. And look, if people cannot see Jesus in your behavior, then having a verse on your screensaver won't make any difference. If they can't see Jesus in your life, then having a cross on your tattoo won't make any difference at all. And so, we need to be the kind of people that win respect by working hard and being honest in all things. Because it's then that we have the door to become a Christian influence at our work. Whatever our work is, whether we get paid to do it or not. Does that make sense? Okay. Number two, here's the second thing about becoming a Christian influence at work. Number two is this. I need to spend time alone with God before I go to work. I need to spend time alone with God before I go to work. This next verse is, honestly, it's one of my favorite verses. It's a memory verse from years gone back. It says, it's Mark 1.35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Now, the day before this, Jesus had spent the entire day doing miracles and healings. I mean, he was on a roll. So if there was ever a day that he could coast on his momentum, then it would be like this next day. But Jesus doesn't do that. Instead, he gets up really early in the morning, even before it's daylight, and he goes off to pray to his heavenly father. Why? Because he knows that he has to be connected with his heavenly father before he goes out into the spiritual fray. And it's the same with you. And it's the same with me. Before we go out into the spiritual fray, whether it's at an office or whether it's you know, doing homeschool or whether it's starting school tomorrow, you have to be connected with your heavenly father before you enter the spiritual fray. I mean, doesn't it make sense that you should do that? I mean, look, I mean, if it was important enough for Jesus, I mean, it's important enough for you and for me. Hudson Taylor, the famous missionary to China, was asked the importance of having a time alone with God in the morning. And here's what he said. He said this. He said, the time to tune your instrument is before the concert, not after. I mean, I agree. I mean, if if you're going to fight a spiritual battle, doesn't it make sense to put on your armor, armor before you go to battle instead of before you go to bed? I mean, so the deal is, I want to become a Christian, if I want to become a Christian influence at work, I have to ask my Heavenly Father and be connected with Him before I go to work. And so do you. Otherwise, you'll spend more of your time asking forgiveness for what you did rather than strength for what you can do. So would you make a commitment to spend time alone with God before 
you enter the spiritual fray of your work? Would you make that kind of commitment? Again, I mean, whether your work is going to school as a student or, you know, being at home as a mom or in the community as a retired person or as an office as a boss or employee, would you make a commitment to God to spend time with him before you enter your work? And yes, I know that it might mean some drastic changes in the AM. Like, I get that. And that is hard. But bottom line, how badly do you want it? How badly do you want your Heavenly Father's presence in your life? How badly do you want Him to use you at your workplace? Because if you do, you'll have to make some sacrifices. Would you be willing to get up earlier or rearrange your morning schedule to spend time with him before you go to work? Now, I want to do something that's going to make it a little bit easier for you. A year ago, I filmed a great lesson about how to have a quality time alone with God. Now, that one lesson is a part of a greater lessons, lessons of teaching that we use in class 201, and class 201 is only available to those who have taken class 101, that is our church membership class. However, I want to take that one section of class 201 about how to have a time alone with God, and today only, I want to make it available to everybody here. So if you want to have a daily time alone with God, or you want to learn how to have a daily time alone with God, in this 30-minute lesson, I teach you how to do that. In fact, I'm going to teach you how I do it. And I'll teach you several other ways that can help you. So it's only 30 minutes. You can look at it and do it right on your computer at your, you know, at your leisure. And I'm going to give you a link how to do that when we get to the end of today. But one more thing before we go. I just finished a book by Billy Graham called Nearing Home. Um, it's a great book and probably the last book that he's ever going to write. And in it, he talks about the importance of Christians being around other Christians. And then he writes these words, and I printed them for you in your sermon notes. He says this, he says, a solitary Christian is inevitably a weak Christian because he or she is failing to draw strength from what God is doing in the lives of fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, today is the first day of small group signups for adults, youth, and kids. It is important that you sign your entire family up for a small group. Do you know why? Because a solitary Christian is a weak Christian. You ever come home from work feeling defeated? Has that ever happened to you? Well, your small group is a place where you can meet with other Christ followers that can help pick you up. They can help encourage you because they're on the same road you are. I know what, if you come home from work defeated, I can guarantee you there are days when your kids come home from school feeling defeated. And when they go to small group, it's a chance for them to get picked up by their leader or picked up by other students in their small group. Because a solitary Christian is inevitably a weak Christian. So it's critical, if you're going to become this Christian influence at your work, that you get signed up for a small group, get your whole family signed up for a small group, so you can gain from that mutual encouragement. 
Now, for those of you that are newer here at the park, let me tell you how small group sign-up works. You cannot sign up for a small group just any time during the year. We only have these short windows of opportunity to sign up for a small group because a small group just lasts for one semester. It's just a one-semester commitment. And then all the small groups stop until we sign up for the next semester. Now, here's the deal. Small groups start for everybody in three weeks. They don't start this week, but they start in three weeks. Give you a chance to get adjusted to your school schedule. But that window of opportunity to sign up starts today. And today is the only day, this entire sign-up period, where every small group is open to everybody because these small groups will start to fill up. And once a small group fills up, just like a college class, when it's full, it's closed. And nobody else can sign up for that group. So this is the best time to get signed up for a small group because I promise you, small groups will start to close very, very quickly. So if you want to become a strong Christian influence at your work, Man, you got to go to small group weekly and find that encouragement. You discuss Bible truths. you got to make sure that your kids, your teenagers, that they're at small group doing the same things. Because, look, if anyone knows the importance of being a strong influence, Christian influence in modern times, it's got to be Billy Graham. I can't think of anybody else who would know more than him. And he writes, a solitary Christian is inevitably a weak Christian. Because he or she is failing to draw strength from what God is doing in the lives of fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. So please, make sure that you sign your entire family up for small group today. Make a commitment to spend time alone with God before you enter the spiritual fray of your workplace. Make sure that you're honest with how you spend your time at work. Even down to the paperclip. And win respect by working hard. Because when you do those things, then you open the door for God to use you as a strong Christian influence at your work. So here's what I want you to do. I want everybody to pull out their connection card. I want you to hold it right next to your message notes. On the card and on your notes, I want to check the next step or steps that you're willing to take today. Okay? Maybe it's this first next step. I commit to work hard at whatever my hands find to do. Would you make that commitment? That when you're at work, man, I'm going to work hard. You will feel so good at the end of every day because you've done it the way that God wants you to. Number two, I will be totally trustworthy and honest at my work, including my time, even down to the paperclip. Would you make that kind of a commitment? That you will be totally honest about everything all the time at your work. Number three, I commit to spend time alone with God before I go to work. I know that is a big commitment, but I'm telling you, it will change your work day probably more than any other single thing that you could possibly do. Would you do it? Next, send me the link to the Time Alone with God video, and I'll watch it this week. You check that box? We'll send you that link tomorrow probably in the afternoon but we'll send you the link tomorrow and then you can watch it anytime you like it's a great great deal and there, we'll send you um in that link will also be a link to download the written material so you can follow along it's great next sign me up for a small group and then there's a place to write a code now this is for adults if you're an adult or i guess teenagers too 
What you're going to do is you go to the small group catalog, you're going to find the list. If you already know the small group you're going to pick, then this little blue code on the side, that's the code you're going to write in that blank. If you're a teenager, find the one, the code for you, write in that blank. Make sure your name and info is on the front. Every year we get people that sign up for a small group and we have no idea who they are because they don't write anything on the front. Seriously, come on. Write your name and email and phone number on the front because otherwise we cannot contact you about that. So write it it on the front. Next, sign my child up for a small group. If you want to sign your teenager up or your kids up, pre-K and up, if this is their pre-K year, they can sign up. Write your child's name here and then the code for their corresponding small group. Write that right there as well, okay? Or, you know, like, hey, I need time to think about this. Next, this next one, I will sign up for a small group online this week. We will be emailing out an online link on Wednesday. If you check this box, we will email you that link on Wednesday. If you're not ready to sign up, totally cool. We get that. You need time to think about it. I mean, there's a gajillion small groups in this catalog, so we understand. But you can sign up on Wednesday. Would you make a commitment to do that if you're not ready today? Or this last one. I want to become a Christ follower for the first time in my life. Look, maybe you're like my friend Alex. And you've been thinking about it. You've been thinking about what is the purpose, what is the meaning of all this. If you're ready to take that step of faith and become a Christ follower, there's a sample prayer at the bottom of your message notes. If you've never prayed that prayer, pray it today. I'm going to give you a chance to do that here right now. I want everybody, if you would, keep your card in front of you. I want you to bow your head. And I just want you to look at these next steps. Just bow your head. I want you to look at these next steps. The next step or steps that you've committed today, I want to give you a chance to pray and ask God to help you follow through. I want you to pray and ask God to help you use these next steps to change you. I want you to pray and ask God to use your small group to change you and to use you in your small group to change others. So I want to give you a chance to do that. So for the next few moments, I want you to do business with God and pray to him. Let's do that right now. If you're ready to become a Christ follower, then pray that prayer. Father, we want to say thank you that you've laid out a very simple and straightforward plan to use us at work, at whatever our hands find to do. And I ask that you would use us for your glory and that you would help us to be the kind of men and women that you can use because we work hard and we're honest and therefore we win respect and that opens the door for us to use our words to tell people about you and your son, Jesus. And I pray for every man, woman, and teenager in this room that no matter what their work is, God, you would use them as a strong Christ-like influence. And that you would use us in our small groups this semester to help influence other people to become closer to you. And let them influence us. And I ask that you would bring us all back safely next week so we can learn about what work is going to be like in heaven. Awesome. 
I love you, Father. Thank you for this morning. I ask you to do all of this in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.